This episode of the Vergecast brought to you by eight mattresses. Eight is smart. It's Wait, how many of them? Eight. Okay. <laughs> eight eight whole mattresses. No, the company's called Eight Mattresses. Oh. Eight is smart. It's the iPhone compared to the flip phone of mattresses. Unlike foam counterparts, the eight smart mattress is an innovative bed that uses real technology to help people sleep better and live healthier. Sleeping on eight, you can discover how many hours of sleep you need each night to feel energized. You can optimize your day and night by connecting it to other Wi-Fi enabled products in your home. If you need coffee in the morning to function, you can program your smart mattress to start brewing your coffee the minute you get out of bed. And just live in that reality and with yourself at that time. The 8 Smart Mattress has everything you need to meet your individual needs. Visit 8sleep.com slash verge and then use code verge to get $125 off all mattresses plus free shipping and free returns. That's 8-E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash verge and use that offer code verge to redeem this offer. Hello and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of the Vox Media Empire. Well, look at Mr. Energetic. I'm here. Yeah. I'm fired up. We're going to do a lot of things on the show. We're going to take down Ezra. <laughs> yeah. you, have you listened to... Oh, I've been listening. Okay. They, they know what's up now. Yeah. They're aware that they got competition. Yeah. In the weeds. <laughs> the We're lurking. They There's... can't see us because they're always in the weeds. <laughs> they don't see us Get coming. In the weeds. I was listening to their episode on net neutrality yeah. and Matt Iglesias said, well, I don't want to get too far... Into the details. <laughs> That's right. You used to listen to that show. This is just a silly, fun beef. But also, when you listen to it, leave them a comment in some form saying that we're better. Yeah. But be kind and gentle. And noting that we're the flagship. Anyway, uh, I, I'm here. I'm Neil I. Dieter is here in Hello. New York. I am in New York. Paul Miller's here. Hello. There's a lot going on. I yeah. think I'm fired up out of anger. Mm. Not from excessive amounts of relaxation. <laughs> I was on vacation for some time. Yeah. But now I'm back. We're really, ha- we're really happy. You know, Neli, anger, yeah. anger leads to hate. Yeah, and hate leads to suffering. Mm. And suffering leads to higher internet prices. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I. So literally today, before we recorded the show this morning, hours ago, the FCC met, and they got rid of some net neutrality, which is. You know, you wake up, you know it's going to happen. It's like anticlimactic. Like, we yeah. knew it was going to happen. We knew exactly what was going to happen. It, it happened exactly the way that we thought. Well, except for one part. Yeah. There was a thing. Point of happened. clarification on on climacticness. Yeah. Right now, if I'm Comcast, can I just go crazy? No, if you're Comcast, you can't. But everybody else can. Okay. Right. So if you're Comcast, you can't, because when Comcast bought NBC Universal, uh, the they signed deal. this consent decree that lasts another year right. that basically imposes net neutrality on them. Disclosure, Comcast is a minority investor in Vox Media, our parent company. Just keep that disclosure close to your heart for this whole show. Just <laughs> just remember that the whole time. Um, so that they can't. But, but are these rules, of the rule change effective? It's not like the done. tax bill, like effective 2018. No, it's done. It's happened. FCC is a regulatory, it just changed regulation. Yep. Just the same as anything. They're like, you know what we don't like anymore is national monuments. And people just start peeing on them the next day. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> so I've never seen, never so many Americans peed on the national monuments. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm all over the place. I'm very relaxed, but I'm very angry yeah, at the same What's, what's going to happen is tomorrow, Time Warner is going to start strip mining uranium out of your computer. That's, that's my understanding of what the regulation changes are. Anyway, so it was the vote. I will say our traffic today on net neutrality is crazy. People are so interested in this. Yep. Um, it's uh, the, the comparison I used was at its peak, about as big as sort of a not iPhone Apple event. Yeah. Which, which is generally our highest yeah. sort of traffic day. Uh, 
uh, interesting piece of inside baseball. A significant amount of the traffic uh, about net neutrality uh, stories uh, was coming from China. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. They're just they're like now you're like us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could we interest you in a firewall? It's sad. It's great. <laughs> That's my that's my great firewall. Anyway, so the vote broke down along party lines. Yeah. So Ajit Pai, Michael O'Reilly, Brendan Carr, the three Republican commissioners, all gave stirring speeches. I have Pies open on my computer. We can read some of his stuff. And then uh, Mignon Clyburn and Jessica Rosenworcel, the two Democratic commissioners, issued stinging rebukes. I would say Mignon Clyburn should have been on a horse with a sword. <laughs> Yeah. Like rallying troops and like banging her sword on their spears. It was it was like it could have been the speech in the two towers right oh, before wow. they all die. Ooh. Could have been that speech. Anyway. Yeah. I mean so basically the the way the vote happened and and then we have a like literally a supercut of pie talking is he said I, it has an agenda. So the meeting is like there's like four or five things on the docket. Net neutrality was number four, really gave it prime billing. Um they all started they started with me and Clyburn. She spoke, Riley spoke, Brandon Carr spoke. And then Pi starts speaking. He's the last vote. After Clyburn spoke, he goes, well, I'm, I'm going to mark you down as a no. And everyone started laughing. Yeah. Pi starts speaking in the middle of it. He's like, uh, I'm very sorry we all have to go on the recommendation of security. And then the Washington Post had its YouTube feed still up. And the room was swept with dogs for a bomb. Yep. So it's like that level of crazy someone called a bomb threat into the net neutrality hearing today which is completely fucking unacceptable like i know i feel very strongly about this we've said this on the show like please just be respectful it's just a policy mm-hmm. difference it's actually a very interesting policy difference um it's not a bomb threat there i can't think of a situation in which bomb threats are acceptable but this is definitely not one of them you gotta but, at least do a declaration of independence first. <laughs> you've got to be all the way there You're like is this a tea party type situation the boston tea party not the, the more yeah, recent one um Anyway, so Pi comes back. He finishes his speech. They vote. Net neutrality is over. All of the companies, all of the politicians are all issuing statements. The New York State Attorney General is finally a multi-state lawsuit. How many politicians are like, hey, good job? Uh, Right? So what's interesting is that yesterday, uh, Republicans started flipping. Yep. Yesterday. Um, So there was one Republican... In the House of Representatives, Susan Collins, a senator from Maine, another independent um, senator, yep. they all started writing letters. Hey, delay this vote. Hey, don't do this. Hey, maybe we should have legislation be ready to go. Yeah. Um, Pi doesn't care. He's not, he's not an elected official, which is cuts both ways, right, depending on your point of view. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have to be responsive to them. He's an independent, he runs an independent agency. So they were all like, hey, stop. And he just like barreled through it. Mm-hmm. So now it's now the internet's uh, dead. This is, I don't know how you're getting this podcast right now. You've received this on a CD ROM. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, no, our CEO is working at AOL. He's got that unlocked. Yeah. So I, I watched all the, the talks, and there was something that kind of stuck, stuck out to me. The, uh, both of the opposing commissioners talked about how the FTC was really would be really ineffectual. And they're talking about how it takes so long to do anything well, th- at the th- FTC uh, and that there's a really high bar at the FTC for any action. Mm-hmm. That really that really rubbed me the wrong way. It's if like you ran the FTC? No, no, like I don't want a government 
because they also uh, one of the commissioners says something about like we're pulling our own teeth. Mm. So like this idea of the FCC as like this benevolent dictator of the internet is not exciting to me. The idea <laughs> that like we have swift and decisive action because we can just do whatever we want because we run the internet. Like that's that's scary to me. And like this idea that the FTC has rules and a procedure and standards for no, when no, no, it's going to okay, do so anything. Let me, right. let me walk through that with you. I, I get what you're saying. It's not wholly wrong, right? Like that's why it's slow. Because they have all these rules. But there's a reason, and I think the reason is interesting. So the reason the FTC is coming up again and again and again is the FCC by moving back to Title I and then aggressively stripping the rules away from the internet. So Pi went farther than the cable companies thought he was going to go, yeah. which is surprising. So there's now there's no rules and there's no authority with which to create those rules. The only rule left that the FCC has imposed that one of the commissioners today, O'Reilly, was like, I don't even I don't even like this rule, but I guess we have to have it. It's like a crazy. Is it the companies have to be quote unquote transparent about their network management practices. So if they're blocking stuff or they have paid prioritization schemes, they have to disclose it. It is not specified the form of that disclosure. It's not going to be on billboards. Could be in the fine you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. The disclosure could be as simple as Verizon saying, we offer paid prioritization services and then not telling you who's paying them. Okay. Which would be, so like, but so there's that thing. Yeah. That thing creates the opportunity for you to file a complaint at the FTC. So the Federal Trade Commission to say this is anti-competitive or this is fraudulent or this is deceptive because you've now taken a regulatory thing where you're that, – the FCC used to have rules and they were in charge of enforcing their own rules and now they've turned it into a dispute mechanism at the FTC. And to get the dispute, you have to create a – you have to have a problem right? in, in like a specific form. Mm. So the problem could be a classic example, sponsored ads on Instagram, right? Not Influencers not disclosing advertising oh, right. on Instagram. Well, that's a problem because now you've got like free advertising. It's deceiving consumers about whether these endorsements are real. You got to file a thing. They've got to go investigate. They've got to like meet out justice. They've, mm -hmm. Right? Like, is that in contrast to the FCC being able to just say, "Bam, you're wrong. You're dead." Well, that's not what the FCC like, did. Like, I, I. But that's sound like what they were lamenting. We we lament having this power. Right. Well, they had the they had rules and they were able to enforce the rules that. The only thing that's different in form is that when the FCC had the rules, it could proactively just go and force its own rules. Like Zorro. Yeah. Right, but like, it wasn't but like Verizon or whoever at the FCC was enforcing the rule on, the teeth that the FCC had was they could say, hey, Verizon, stop it. And then Verizon would have to stop it, but Verizon could still like go to court and say, the FCC can't tell me right. what to do. The and FCC that happened multiple, multiple times. But in the meantime, from, you know, Minor Clyburn's perspective, from the SEC's perspective at the time, in the meantime, they were doing a thing that protected consumers from being treated badly by the giant evil corporations that are running the internet. And the the thing that the, that make that makes them sad is now the onus is going to be on uh, us as co consumers, as the people who like are beholden to these giant companies, to say, hey, please stop it, and then file a you know, request to the FTC, and then the FTC has to look into it, and then they have to go and yell at Verizon, and then there's another lawsuit right. in there. Plus, there might be another lawsuit that we have to file. So like, it takes the, the burden of fix the problem 
And instead of putting it on the company to like file the lawsuit and, and like and like begin the argument, it puts it on consumers or potentially the FTC, who historically uh, like doesn't. Is they're not great at it. It's right. like the idea that they were like wielding this power left and right. Like, I mean, the bottom they, line is there's, there's going to be lawsuits no matter what. Right. For this particular action and in general, when you're dealing with when you're dealing with Verizon, someone's getting sued. Yeah. End of story. <laughs> uh, and so the, the, the question to me is, while we're waiting for the, them, their lawsuits to wend their way through the courts, what will the like state of affairs actually be? And uh, up until earlier today, the state of affairs was whatever the FCC says uh, in the, you know, theoretically in the interest of keeping the internet neutral. And now it's going to be whatever Verizon says in the interest of Verizon's business interest. On, and then I have to like push back on that or, uh, you know, the FTC does. Yeah. It's cost shifting. I mean, that's the yeah. way you should think. So the, the problem with title two that was expressed by the ISP ISPs and Pi was title two imposes costs on us to prevent innovation. Pi said, okay, we're stripping those costs and removing this FTC. In doing that, he definitely shifted some costs of enforcement to like the people of America. Right. So now if your ISP is screwing you over, it's very hard to leave for a variety of reasons, chiefly that you probably don't have another option. So to get a remedy, you don't have to pay or band together or find some public interest group to sue them at the FTC for a much narrower range of potential harmful behavior that's like i get it like yeah it was a formerly powerful person being like now i don't have any power like yeah well, but it, the, it, the it power was like appropriately like wielded. A, you know like the like a cop coming to your house and taking all of your assets before you've been proven guilty like and no but that's not what was happening at all it, it was just the fcc had the, the power to begin a proceeding on its own because they they made the rule and they could look at it and say you're violating the rule and then there was like being it's a government agency. Like, they're good at paperwork. Like, that—that's their power. Is like they file paperwork, and then the company files paperwork, and then there's a judge, and that you know, there's like an administrative action. So, like, a really good example. This comes up a lot. 2008, the FCC told Comcast to stop throttling Bitcoin. Comcast said, "Whatever, we're allowed to do this." Took them to court and won. The end. Like, that's what happened, right? And like the the devolution of power of from that now means the FCC can't do that, and you now have to discover Comcast is throttling BitTorrent. They may or may not have to tell you. You have to construct, as a user, construct an argument for why that is in violation of some consumer protection principle. And then you have to file a lawsuit. And like BitTorrent Inc., which I believe exists. Yes, it does. But it's not like a rich company. And also like might not have standing to just stop a BitTorrent user. Or, right, like they don't, they're not being harmed by Comcast throttling BitTorrent for like Linux distro downloads or whatever. Like they're a company that like does some other product. So they who is going to stop like blocking a protocol like that? Mm-hmm. Who's going to sue? It, like you need you, the costs have shift now to right. people and you got to find the right people who are actually being harmed in the right places at the right times. That sounds like the right balance to me, but it makes makes. Well, it's just yeah. so I'm, I'm. You often won't find those people. So if we're talking about costs, we're talking about cost shifting. The the reason that I personally don't think it's the right balance is there's like an opportunity cost. There the the thing that Pi like Pi did a bunch of very very 
very smart, like rhetorical jujitsu moves in his. Wait, can, I want to. No, I want to follow up on. You said that sounds like the right balance. How okay. is it the right balance if you have to find somebody with pockets deep enough to fund a lawsuit? It's the right balance if you have to find somebody who's harmed. I'm with you on that, right? So we're not all just yeah, following, okay. following, following lawsuits. It's somebody who's harmed who can pay for a lawsuit. That like that throws that balance way out of whack to me. I'm guessing that I I believe there are fewer scenarios where people should be successfully suing companies to do what they want them to do. Yeah, but the the right answer that you and I often agree on is the right solution is you just take your money and leave if the company is doing what you don't like. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have any choices, I have choices. Eh. All right, that's where we disagree. Yeah. Sorry, Dino. I mean, this, this man did quit the internet for a year. <laughs> so like he's, one he's very aware, very so, nuclear one thing, choice. One thing that stuck out to me a lot: there was a lot of talk about you know low income internet. You like, let's be honest. A lot of people with low income use their phone as their primary method of internet. Yeah, no, that's just absolutely true. Right, because there is there's no mechanism in the market for driving costs down for broadband internet because there's no competition. So they that their only option is an even slower connection, and also in some cases more expensive connection, a long term, their phone. Yeah, it's but it's a, it's also a choice. I, I disagree. I mean, like we have to do the work of that story, but everything I've ever read is like people will choose phones over almost anything. It's the most important piece of technology in your life slash the world. Yeah. So you're you're picking that over, right? People pick it over running water, like. It's a choice, but it's not a choice that is like a fungible choice, right? Like, right. I'm I'm saying it, 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 home broadband is a lot more optional of a of a thing than your phone potentially, right? And I think that's that's where the part of Pi's argument, indeed, was saying like he did a lot of rhetorical jujitsu today. Yes, um, and I, I think that's where Pi's argument starts to really flail, actually. Because he lumps it all together and he makes it sound like wireless is going to compete with wired in a way that isn't happening now and doesn't seem likely to happen in the future unless you open up the fiber. You're not going to create more wireless access unless you have enough backhaul yeah, to his, do his it. His fundamental argument is there are – Mystery. There are there are things that we might not be getting because of this regulation. This mega regulation might be hurting us as a country, and we don't know it yet because we don't live in the alternate alternate world where there is no regulation and a million uh, fiber connections will bloom. Right, and the thing that we don't know whether or not it's holding it back because you know once you create a regulation, then you're defining the terms of what the world are, and then you're stuck in that world. That's his argument. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read from but, his speech. This okay. was the opening of his yeah, speech. Yeah, I would give anything to. A-B test this. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of doing it now. <laughs> yeah. Just we'll every couple out. years it flips. Uh, so this is Pi's speech. This was the opening, the opening of a speech, basically. The internet has enriched my life immeasurably. In the past few days alone, I've downloaded interesting podcasts about blockchain technology, <sighs> ordered a burrito, managed my playoff-bound fantasy football team, and, as you may have seen, tweeted... What is responsible for the phenomenal development of the internet? It certainly wasn't heavy-handed government regulation. So this is the shift that I think everyone makes. Yep. All of the things that he did on the internet yep. are like at the service and apps layer, yep. and they run on an open internet that a smaller number of companies control. So he doesn't say which... By the way, I love the humble brag about By the way, he might, he, he might literally be wrong that those things were enabled by... Uh, either 
some kind of government regulation. Well, but, certainly yeah. the blockchain. No, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but all of those things happen because the internet is an open playing field for those technologies to develop. Right. And he's saying, what is responsible for the phenomenal development of the internet? It wasn't heavy-handed government regulation. He consistently conflates what happens at the ISP level with what happens at the app level. And it was funny because I tweeted, none of those things are run by ISPs. But I, I forgot that Verizon owns Yahoo. <laughs> so there's like a real chance that he's using Yahoo Fantasy Football. Well, but the only, the only reason why we care about the ISP level is because the app level exists. Right. If there was no app level, if there was nothing to do on the internet, then we wouldn't want to have the internet. Right. So there is some incentive for the ISPs to leave some amount of space open for innovation. But there's a much higher incentive for them to tax both sides of it. For them to say, okay, we know everybody loves Netflix. We are aware of Netflix. So imagine Brian Roberts at Comcast wakes up every morning, <laughs> screams into the void. Uh, he rips a page off of, his, off his daily calendar. It's still Netflix. <laughs> He's so, got a magic eight ball. Does Netflix exist? He checks it every day. Always yes. Uh, why Netflix? Uh, so he can go to Netflix and he can say, hey – do you want faster access to our customers? Pay up, which they have done, and Netflix has paid. And then they can say to customers, hey, we can deliver an even better Netflix experience to you if you pay us more. right? So now you can charge rent on both sides of the equation, mm -hmm. where previously you were not really able to charge rent anywhere on that equation. So now you're making more money. You're not necessarily improving anything, and you are certainly disadvantaging some other. So playoff fantasy. By the way, I cannot... I think yeah. it's hilarious that he said his fantasy football team is in the playoffs. Yeah. Such a humble brag. Playoff bound. Playoff bound. bound. Also, like, the humble brag of just, like, I listen to podcasts about the blockchain. <sighs> he brought up Bitcoin twice in this thing. It was choice. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's so choice. It's just, like, you want that nerd cred, and you're just going to keep saying Bitcoin until you get it. Uh, but Verizon owns Yahoo Fantasy Football. Like, there is no reason for them to not make ESPN – fantasy football app slower. They could just do it. They and, like, could, and all they have to do is disclose it to yeah. you. I get that nobody wants to shed a tear for ESPN. I get that nobody really at this point needs to shed a tear for Netflix. Honestly, they're, they're doing okay. Uh, they're raising my prices, but that's fine. No problem. Yeah. Um, but the thing I'm like, I, when I, when I was trying to lead, build up to opportunity costs before, like Pi is worried about the opportunity costs of like ISPs building more broadband and he doesn't think that's happening. I think he's wrong, but fine. Um, the flip side of that is I'm worried about the opportunity cost of the next Bitcoin, the next, the next, you know, fantasy sports, the next video streaming startup that comes into the space and doesn't have an open, you know, equal opportunity to, get in front of my eyeballs because they can't pay the dual tax. I don't want to pay the tax that it costs to get it, and they're not going to pay the tax to Verizon on the other side. So I've heard a counter argument to that, that Twitch is a good example of a very high bandwidth, extremely expensive to deliver to the customer service that clearly succeeded. Yeah, in, in, in under open internet rules. Well, no, long before it opened internet. Yeah, but they... They, no, no, no. There were open internet rules before. Yeah. They went away in 2010 because of Verizon suing, and they came back in 2015. So they were there. The FCC passed the rules. They went away in 2010? Yeah, so the FCC passed the rules. But, but and, like the rise of Twitch is around 2010 to 2015. 
15, 16, 17. Right. So the, the, those companies, they were not blocking things. They didn't know what was going to happen, basically. Obama got elected. One of his election plans so, was, I will take a backseat to no one in net neutrality. So your argument is that it's never been this clear that, that there, there are no, no rules. rules. Yeah. Right. For, for now a period of time where it's fairly clear that the, you know, this administration is not going to change it. Although instant lawsuits, instant congressional moves, like maybe it'll change again. But it was never this obvious. Mm-hmm. Right. So the FCC had Title II rules on the phone line. Mm-hmm. And then people moved to broadband. They imposed the rules. And then Verizon sued. The rules went away. President Obama said, I'll take a backseat to no one on net neutrality. Mm-hmm. The ISPs all assumed the rules would come back. The rules came back. Can, can I ask another kind of – maybe this is a little – And Pi keeps dancing around that, by the way. In the weeds. And yeah. this is something I feel like both sides brought up is the um, limitations on states, what states can do. Yeah. And it's interesting. Wired, I think this was recently had a piece on that local regulation is is one of the big reasons that we don't have a lot of competition in broadband because local regulators make these sweetheart deals and grant exclusivity or charge a lot of money for rent on the poles and stuff like that. Um, yeah, what are, what exactly are the states aren't allowed to do certain regulation type things? Yeah, now? I mean that to me, like that's the part where I'm like. Well, if you're going to, like, say F it and blow up all the rules, then it probably makes sense to not say, well, if states, if you want to reimpose them, go for it. Because then the rules are different in Topeka than they are in New York, than they are in Minneapolis. And if you're trying to run, uh, you know, the Internet, having to change your rules state by state, having to change the way things operate state by state gets pretty complicated pretty fast. Mm. So, but pretty easy in another sense because you just pick the most restrictive rules and you just – you assume. Right. Do it well, California okay. so, style. Yeah, do it California style. So, sure. I mean, if, if we want to do they're, – they're trying to avoid that from happening. They right. don't want – They're so, trying to avoid California and New York passing net neutrality regulations and everything. Like, yeah. But, like, that's a clear exercise of power, right? Like, Yeah, I'm not super comfortable with that as yeah. a smaller government and, person. Like, I, I hate what states and cities have done – with, yeah, but do you want sandalware and California liberals deciding what your internet should look like? While they're driving their Priuses and <laughs> s- sipping their herb tea? I don't know. I don't know. You drink in California. If you are currently drinking something in California, please tweet at us. It's probably tea. <laughs> oh, Dieter's <laughs> What are you drinking out there? Is it, is it herb tea? It's, it's, it's in your Prius? It, it's even worse. It's LaCroix. Oh, my God. But, we have LaCroix here, But too. one of the commissioners, O'Reilly, again today was like, I'm super happy about these rules that we've included to stop states. Yeah. And he said something like, we will vigorously attempt to quash any conflicts. I mean, that's like, you sound like Palpatine right now. Yeah. Like, we're going to go through the Federation and quash any <laughs> conflicts. <laughs> like a Reese's Mug Death Star. <laughs> George O. Bates is giving us a little thumbs up in the background. It's ridiculous. Uh, look, I, it's, it's just a new moment for the internet, right? Like, we haven't been in this place yeah. where it's been so cl- – the, the entire momentum of the past decade has been getting net neutrality rules. And then we had them for a minute. And I just – I keep reminding everybody of this. A lot of people thought Hillary Clinton was going to win that election. Yep. Just a lot of people, including all of these ISPs. And they were totally fine with it. And then Trump won. We get Ajit Pai. 
And like all of a sudden now they're like, well, our, we just can't possibly build a network unless we get rid of these rules. And now they're totally gone. Like they're gone farther than the ISPs thought they would be gone. Here's so what I want to see what who's happens. Gonna, who's going to be who's going to act? Which ISP is going to act first? Like it's like oh, we're at a, Verizon. Are you we're kidding? At a party and there's a giant cake that just got set on the table and everyone's like, "Oh, I want a piece of cake. Who's going to go cut the cake?" I'm so here's what I, here's what I think is, is 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 are somebody going to like sneak up and like have a little frosting or is like Verizon just going to like run up and stick its face in the cake? Oh. Rah, 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 to, eat to, the cake. To Eli's point, if you're at a wedding, the bride and the groom get the first slice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's definitely Verizon. Verizon. <laughs> 100% Verizon. Like Verizon's so happy about this right now. So here's what I think is is really interesting. I wrote a, a little bit about this today on the site. The overwhelming trend yeah. in this industry right now is for big telecom companies to buy big media companies. Yep. So Comcast, again, our disclosure, owns NBC. Yeah. Uh, NBC owns MSNBC. Yep. Which I think we can all just fairly say is a somewhat liberal news organization. MSNBC is going to get immediately ex exempted from the data camps on Verizon. You want to stream MSNBC? You want to watch it on your Comcast connection? Not going to like they well, can just on, do it on Comcast. Not if on you're on Comcast, yeah. So MSNBC rolls up to Comcast. Yes. Right. Okay. So MSNBC AT&T is trying to do Time Warner, so HBO and all that stuff already rolls up to AT&T. Right. They've got to complete that deal, which is yep. interesting because it. Trump administration strangely being like, what if big corporations aren't great <laughs> in this case? And then, but AT&T will own CNN. Right. You'll buy an AT&T phone. It will stream CNN video for you for free. Yep. Verizon owns the Huffington Post, which I think we can also agree is a somewhat liberal organization. They had a really good story of millennials They're, recently. Actually, that story was great. Yeah. Um, uh, great. It looked great on mobile. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Um, I mean, these are all great. News organizations, they're, they're fine, I'm, I'm like, but they're all owned by telecom companies that are now incentivized to deliver. HuffPost video will now be free on Verizon. That was actually Verizon's goal in buying Yahoo AOL and collecting all these media properties. You know together. what this means? You thought that you could just laugh at Go90 and ignore it, but now you can't. So this is this is my new but thing. But you know what oh, isn't I included in this? Because 21st Century Fox just sold its movie studios to Disney and created a new, smaller news organization with Fox News. Yeah. Fox News doesn't have this like benefactor of a huge they gotta ISP. they got to go onto the blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, T-Mobile and Sprint aren't about to no, buy so what, Time what, Warner what or uh, sad, Fox like, News. sad, fourth-rate uh, ISP is going to buy Sprint. Fox? Sprint's going to buy Fox News. Buy Fox News. Fox. That's great. But like, that <laughs> is a weird... That's a... That's an that's not an outcome I think Republicans expected. Yeah. Right? Where suddenly the, the major cable news networks are gonna stream over various networks for free and Fox News will not. Right? Yep. Or we're gonna start to prioritize our own news divisions. Again, the disclosure, Comcast has huge investments in BuzzFeed and Vox Media. Mm -hmm. We're probably great on Comcast, right? Like Man, we should make sure our investment doesn't suffer. Like you're in the deal. Like I don't know if that deal is going to happen, but it certainly could. You know, it's not there is Breitbart, Daily Call, all those. Yep. They're going to have to make their own deals, and they don't have these benefactors. And I think that is going to immediately cut against what Republicans thought was going to happen, how mm -hmm. they want it to happen. Mm -hmm. I think this is also a you know the Washington Post did a poll. Eighty three percent of Americans, when ex net neutrality was explained to them, support it, including three out of four Republican voters. Republican legislatures, legislators are saying we should have these rules. Like the, this is a this is a moment that I think I, is just difficult for that party to navigate. I have to say, living through these past months of being lied to constantly by Tinder, by GitHub, by Reddit, uh, like of this is what net neutrality is because they try to put it in one sentence and it's like it's just always wrong. <laughs> it's always wrong. And, and that like. 
public opinion polls do not hold a lot of sway for me on this on this issue. I, I get like even if people really got into it, they might still support net neutrality. But it, I think it's what those opinion polls pretty reveal most of all is that people hate and distrust their ISPs. Well, I hate and distrust the government. <laughs> okay, so here, here's here's what I want. Here's I mean, what I want. Hang on, hang on. No, no, okay, no that's go, go, a legitimate go. thing to say. Yeah. Like for sure. Do you hate and distrust the government more than you hate and distrust your ISP? Uh, like, uh, uh, how many? How many? <laughs> that's like that's the debate. How many, at the end how of many the day. nukes does Verizon have? How many tanks? It's called how Go many... Ninety. <laughs> okay, it's so coming here's for the, your if family. We're about bombs here's here's mom. <laughs> I've been watching the the fallout from yeah. from YouTube Rewind. Uh, YouTube Rewind this year because because PewDiePie happened to PewDiePie. Yep. PewDiePie could obviously not be in YouTube Rewind. Right. Um, and basically, uh, there is a large, very successful, very important portion of YouTube that YouTube is just clearly embarrassed by. Yeah. Um, and then there's the whole adpocalypse, which does not just apply to people like PewDiePie, but just everybody on YouTube is just terrified that they'll do something wrong and get demonetized. And also, YouTube creators really, really dislike YouTube's what YouTube is doing with YouTube Red is like we could be Netflix too. Yeah, uh, and they're like, no, no, dude, YouTube, you already have content. We make it. Uh, tr- why don't you work on giving us more revenue instead of spending the profits that you make off of our content on terrible originals that nobody watches? Um, I think there there's so much dislike and distrust for YouTube that the the moment is right. For Verizon. Oh my God. Do you wait to this, change this the is name. a slow roll reveal? Here's what you do. Here's what you do. Change the name because Go90 <laughs> is garbage. Cancel all originals. You, you this platform is cannot have originals. Then what you do is you say to any YouTube creator, for a year, we will match what YouTube pays for you. Well, the revenue you get on YouTube. You don't have to pull your stuff off of YouTube, yeah. just upload also. To our to our service, and then we'll also show you what you would make if if you know just th- through standard revenue. Also, like you know, adopt some uh, like Twitch style direct subscriptions so people don't all like uh, tons of YouTubers are moving to Patreon. Like very successful regular YouTubers are moving to Patreon. Um, so give allow people to do d- direct donations, d- direct subscriptions to stuff that they like. Never have originals. Subsidize your own bandwidth because you're Verizon. <laughs> And then at and customers can't watch it? No. No, 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 no. You, they just you, have to pay against – they have to, have to use more. their data. Right. Yeah. You, but you let, let, let well, everybody like watch a, them, two of things. course. One, like, we've this gotten, is a chance to take down the titan that I am, is YouTube. I am not engaging Go90 taking down YouTube. I just can't. Well, I just want to – we're very far – Oh, God. Somehow we've gone from I hate the government to let's take down YouTube. So that's a set of leaps. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're very far away from net neutrality. We are. I want to bring it back. Okay. Second, I would just – I would just remind everyone that Paul's beautiful dream implies that Verizon has the ability to code, execute, and run a platform of any scale. And the last thing that they ever tried to do was, I believe, called VZ Navigator, which really took down Google Maps using the same playbook of being free to use on Verizon phones. So a lot of dreams. I I do not recall. (laughs) A lot of dreams. You know, actually, you could execute this on this crazy That does dream not come to my current is, recollection. Uh, BAM, MLB BAM, 
which now, you know, is part of Disney. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, kind of. They're in there somewhere. Yeah. And Disney mm. just bought a bunch of stuff. TC has a really good piece about uh, about. Yeah, I, we Disney. talk a lot on this show about deals, Dieter deals. in particular. Like you, as an internet consumer, as a technology aficionado, you want to like make decisions about what you use and how it gets to you. And like we've lived in that world for a long time. We are now clearly in the world of deal making. Yeah, where your connection is, there's a content company attached to it in some way. Your connection will favor the content from that company. Right. If you want to go to Disney, they're going to use their leverage to like make a deal. Yeah. So I was mad about deals, but now with the end of net neutrality, now ISPs also get to make deals. So now we're living in the deals on deals world. Deals, deals on, deals. on deals. deals. Yeah. Double deals. Double deals. Double dealing. I yeah. think it's, we're double dealing. I think it is thrilling. And excited. <laughs> you are, I mean, I, look, I'm the There's going to be so much weird, stupid corporate synergy that happens that is, it just, it just, it lets them take their mask off. If they're really ugly behind the mask, you get uh, to were see. Were you curious about whether the ISPs are ugly behind the mask? Yeah, you see a mask, you want to know. Yeah, you want to know. You want to know. All right. Yeah. Here's what I, I think we nothing will happen ad. in the short term. I do think you're going to see. Per, my guess is Verizon will be the most aggressive to make these moves. Yep. Everyone else's moves are going to look like what AT&T was already telegraphing with their Time Warner acquisition. Right. HBO will now be included with your AT&T subscription. It will stream right. for free. Uh, Comcast will like, you know, the Xfinity app on all your devices will run for free on the Comcast. Like all that is fine. It's going to happen. It was already kind of happening. The The next moves are going to be how far are they going to start to push it? I, I, I want to pay for a fast lane for at least some of my multiplayer video games. Verizon's forthcoming YouTube competitor. Yeah, there's already services out there that promise you like a lower latency in like League of Legends. Like, I want to, I'm ready to pay for, yeah. for, for a better Overwatch. We'll see. We'll just see. It's the thing is, it's, it happened. Like I said, it's like a little bit anticlimactic. Like we knew it was going to happen today, and yep. it happened. Yep. There's an endless array of court cases coming there's an endless Charles uh, Sandberg today posted on Facebook like we're gonna fight this vigorously we're taking this to court like it's coming right like the move in Congress from Republican senators in unsafe seats facing an election in 2018 they're gonna say we're gonna have some net neutrality rules because it's an opportunity to do something popular like it's all of it's happening so that I it's done for now in this way but it's not done forever and I think that we're just, we're just going to end up covering it for another year in this way. Tony Rahm at Recode, who's an excellent reporter who I recommend following on Twitter because his Twitter is really funny too. Um, he's an excellent policy reporter. He's like, this is just Groundhog Day. We are going to be having this net neutrality fight for the rest of our lives. Because wow. yeah. the lawsuits are coming. More congressional action is coming. Who, you know, Maybe Trump goes away. There's a new FCC commissioner. That person will change them. Like, we're going to do this until we decide. Like fundamentally decide how we want the internet to work, and it, public opinion is one way. Companies are one way. Maybe Pi has it right. I doubt. I very much doubt it. If you've been listening to the show, I think you know I doubt it. But he's got a window of time to. Prove okay. It. Okay. If we get space internet in one decade, so what? Whatever. What's today? December fourteenth, twenty seventeen. If by December fourteenth. 2027, we have space internet. Yeah. Does that mean Pi was right? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, he was right if 
what the the mechanism by which we get space internet is it paid prioritization? They, yeah, Verizon and Comcast are so aggressive with paid prioritization, and they have so much extra money mm. that they're like, let's just put some internet in space. I, how, where is that? Why would they do that? Why would they build a competitor to themselves? Well, I would, I would think that it would come from that there's so much obvious room for competition because there's so much money to be made in delivering broadband. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much money there really is in delivering broadband. Here's, here's the thing I don't want. You remember how you had AOL and then you realize, oh, wait, instead of just using AOL, I could use the internet. Right. And then after a while, you're just using the internet and you're like, wait, why do I need AOL? And then you stopped using AOL. Mm. They're trying to go back to AOL. The ISPs want to be part of the content serving portion of it. They don't mm. want to be dumb pipes. And like, that's what I'm afraid of. That's yeah. that's like kind of the end of it for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read an ad and then we're going to come back. And the neutrality fight will continue probably <laughs> ever and ever. <laughs> While I read this ad, Paul is going to write out his business plan for Verizon executing a YouTube competitor. I already wrote Step it. Step one, hire engineers who know what they're doing. I think it's seven easy steps. You're No, eight steps. You're just a beautiful dreamer, man. This episode of The Vergecast brought to you by Squarespace. Are you ready to start a new business? Why wait until the New Year's to set your plans in action? The future is coming. Again, always sounds like a threat, but you can make that future brighter with Squarespace. There's beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. You showcase your work, your blog, you can publish content, you can sell products and services of all kinds. Just a couple of clicks, Paul. And then you pay another couple of clicks for Verizon to speed that right up. <laughs> You can customize everything from the look and feel of settings and products, and it's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. You can use analytics to help you grow in real time, and there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. But if you do have a question, Squarespace has award-winning 24-7 customer support to help you out. A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. Make it a reality Squarespace. So go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code VERGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com, offer code VERGE. Well, should we keep doing telecom news or should we do iMac Pro? Whatever you want. Let's see the iMac Pro. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll find a way <laughs> back. <laughs> no so the, fear. The iMac Pro is available. Uh, it costs somewhere between five and fourteen thousand dollars. It's not an exaggeration. <laughs> what's, what's your recommended spec on that? Oh, I actually haven't spec'd out the the recommended. The recommended I saw is you like recommended the um, ten cores. You should get the ten core sixty four gig two two terabyte system because you get higher opinion. clock speed. Yeah, you don't want to go to 14 or 18 because you got to wait longer and you don't get the higher clock speed. Um, so uh, uh, what Apple did is they uh, gave it out to a bunch of like some like engineers and some YouTubers and some videographers. And they had it for like a week or two. And then they posted some impressions earlier this week. And then yesterday, as of this recording, um, Apple had a bunch of journalists like roam around in packs around this like studio space and talk to various developers who – have made apps or other things that are optimized for use on this high-end, super professional computer. So we saw a guy, uh, gravity something or other, like do some really cool like 3D drawing and like vector movements with like 3D objects and like that full fidelity of all the pixels and blah 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 blah. We saw you know your standard like Adobe thing where they like took a picture of a thing and that turned into a surface that they could apply to another thing that they could move around in 3D and blah blah blah. Get all the reflections just right and they didn't, you don't have to wait to render anything. Um, I saw 8K video and Final Cut Pro. I saw a bunch of cool stuff. I saw one of the best VR demos I've ever seen in my life. Um, so that was all great. 
Um, and then, you know, saw the machine running. We'd seen it before in June. Uh, it looks and acts like an iMac that's darker. Why didn't they get rid of the bezels? The, so there's a lot that I don't understand about this. They completely re-architected the inside of this machine. There is no 3.5 spinning platter hard drive. They were able to like solder a bunch of stuff to the board. So you really you can't go in and change anything. But they did all that stuff, which meant that they could like re-architect the way that air moves through it. So it comes in the bottom, spins through, shoots out the back, shoots out really hot actually. But they're able to consistently move a ton of air so the thing doesn't have to spin up and make a lot of fan noise. But they aggressively chose to make this like millimeter for millimeter the same as the standard 27-inch iMac 5K. Like it's it's the same body and it's a darker color, but there there are choices they could have made if you're already going through the work of re-architecting the inside of it. Like, yeah, make the bezel smaller. Or maybe they don't want to, like, buy new screens and, like, the screen has to get driven. Like, the bezels actually don't bother me that much. It, like, I know it's bothering a bunch of people. I kind of don't care. Um, but I don't know. Put a door on it to, like, let people change the RAM. Yeah, you should take it to a service center to upgrade the RAM. Yeah. It's great. Um, they do let you take the mount off yourself and put a VESA bracket on it. You've always you been want. able to do that with the iMac. Uh, I think you were supposed to, you like had to order the Avesa version from Apple and like everything else was like a hack. Oh, okay. There's yeah. already an accessory out to, to put some ports on the front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's the same because it's the same. They probably made that accessory already for the iMac. No, the ports are, it I think there's more Thunderbolts on this than a standard iMac and it has, it has a uh, 10 gigabit ethernet. Yeah. Uh, it can drive two 5K displays. It'll work. I saw it running. I saw one of the demos. It was running two external GPUs at the same time, in addition to the Radeons on the inside. So that was cool. Um, like this thing, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have full impressions because I didn't get to sit down and use it. I'm not the pro that they're looking to sell this thing to. Um, but to me, the question is. If you want to spend the money on this thing, I feel like you need to know exactly what you're looking for to a higher degree of confidence than most of us do when we go out and buy a computer. Yeah, I like, think that makes sense. I mean, yeah. it's not for – but first, here's my question. Yeah. Ah. Oh, I just – You're right? Yeah. I hit the microphone and it scared me. Okay. Okay. Gonna, go ahead no shock. Yeah. Edit that right out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck you, Andrew. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's my question. Uh, it's really fast, right? Yeah, it's stupid fast. Is it? So I feel like it, it's a cool product. I'm glad it exists. Yeah, but I feel like Apple is. They were so slow that everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's so much faster!" But if they had just put out new processors every year, it would be. It would just be incrementally faster. Yeah, that's right. Right? Mm-hmm. That's and right. if they had just put a good GPU in it last year, yeah. it would just be incre- – it's like they 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 held back for so long right. that just putting modern components in a Mac – Well, they do. Oh, and they were, by the way, they were, they were much more eager to compare it to like the other iMac's performance and not the iMac Pro's – or not the Mac Pro's performance. Because they, they do claim that like if you were going to spec out something like this yourself – that you'd end up spending the same or more if you're trying minus to build a display Windows machine. Even. Sometimes minus a display, yeah. yeah. But I find that a little hard to believe. I mean, Xeons are pretty expensive. By the way, what was it? The 10-core? But, but it's, 
it's not for Apple. It's not just even if you were to build out the same thing, like get the same Radeon card, get the same you know ECC whatever the hell RAM, get the same fast SSD, get a equivalent display, which by the way is very difficult to do because the display on the iMac is basically unparalleled in my opinion. Like do all that stuff, buy all those pieces, put them in a box, and maybe it costs less. Apple's contention is that. That still won't be as good as this thing because you need to look at a pro system like this holistically. It's not just about do you have the fastest RAM. It's is the thing that controls the RAM and also controls the SSD and gets them to talk to each other. The you know all of that stuff, all that like subsystem stuff that runs a computer. Their claim is their stuff is better than something you'd go out and build yourself. And the the central piece of that claim is this uh, T two processor. This T two like unit that runs all the controllers for everything and also uh, enables a secure, you know, enclave that keeps the whole thing, you know, Wasn't there a big rumor this thing would have like a co-processor A10 that did taste That's what that's what this that that turned into this this T2, which is basically an iteration on the T1 that's in the Mac mm-hmm. Pro MacBook Pro with the touch bar. Yeah. that runs the 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 secure touch ID thing on it. This is basically a, a next iteration of that, but it's controlling ever more pieces of the computer. So the the I think the biggest part of the T2 is it acts as the SSD controller mm-hmm. and it also acts as the you know fully secure place where your uh, encryption key for your file encryption lives and it does the decoding on that chip. So you like when you encrypt your files on your SSD, not only is it faster because they have a custom, you know, SSD driver thing that's built into this chip to control it. It's also like the workload of encrypting and decrypting files happens on this custom chip that's designed for it, not on one of your, you know, 10 cores. Yeah. (sighs) It's funny because it's it sounds like a specialized chip, but as it does more and more and more, it just becomes a general purpose coprocessor. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you can just I, like I see it go that way. It's very interesting. Like, what what else can you offload to to these other chips? Like, what other? Yeah, like, this is like Apple's specialty, right? Like, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I hate them, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, I, I like that they're you know in a sense because you buy this if you are addicted to Final Cut Pro, yeah. if you are a successful music producer in like Logic. You know, like there, or, or if you are just cannot be bothered to understand how to build a computer, but I've, most people do not need this much power right now. But like the the other question is, there are people who do. Should the people that do, in fact, need this much power buy this computer or wait for the Mac Pro that's coming next year? Yeah, I think you should but, buy a Mac but, Pro. A lot of these, but, but some people really do genuinely need like just an all in one. It's just like it's better and more convenient. But, but a lot of the demos that Apple's showing you are are, are fanciful. Apple would like a world where people are actually doing 3D modeling on Macs. Right. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> like, well, well, no, but there are... Imagine. Yeah. I mean, I think our entire video team wants this computer. Yeah, of course. Of course. They, they they're do. already using it. Yeah, but can we afford that? Uh, no. I don't know. It depends on how much we have to pay to prioritize our site. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, so, so it's like, like if, 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 on the other hand, Apple had a $2,000 Mac yeah. Pro... We could probably get that for most of our video team. Right. And, and they could have vastly better, vastly, vastly, vastly better performance than they have with their current IMAX. Yeah. I mean, we have to buy them all displays. But um, Apple wants to get there. I think this is not quite like the iPhone 8, iPhone 10 situation. 
I think you want to have a family of products that extends up this way mm-hmm. in the two form factors. So I think Dieter's right. Some people are just going to want a bunch of high-powered iMacs for people doing high-powered work. Yeah. And some people are going to want modular workstations that can, like, rack mount. Yeah. Several times during the day, people are like, why shouldn't somebody just wait for the, the Mac Pro? And, like, the, the, you know, the Apple employees' response I heard from several of them is, look, some people just need this thing right now. And the pro the kinds of, like, pro shops that need these kinds of computers, the, the video shops, the scientific machine learning, you know, think tanks, whatever, they cycle through computers, like, on the regular they have project-based stuff. They they buy insane computers. They use them for a year, and then they hand them off to somebody else to do some slightly lower priority task and get the the next latest and greatest thing because wow, they that... always need the latest and greatest thing. And so, in Apple's mind, there are a bunch of people who are going to go out and buy this thing, and also going to go out and buy the Mac Pro later and just have this be a hand me down to another project. That's so. That's the job to get. Yeah, you should have one of those jobs. We should just put a listing on the verge of jobs to get. Where they always buy you the best oh, shit. Oh, yeah. What job should you get if you want the best computer no matter what all the time? Provided to you by your by your company. That is a very good question. Hmm. By the way, you said 10 I think, core. I think, it's, I think it's maker of Apple commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's it. That's yeah, the, I mean, like, usually when Apple, the last time Apple did a Mac Pro, they did the trash can. It was yep. years ago. Yep. And it was a much smaller rollout. And we all went to... Radical Media here in New York, which is a huge post house. Yeah. And I don't know, we sat down with their editors and they showed us how they're using the Mac Pro. Yeah. Like, I think video editors, animators, um, anybody in like high end scientific research, yeah. pro- like that does a lot of big data processing. Like, oh, big, so, big data stuff all yeah. happens in the cloud and they all run Linux. No, but there was a bunch of stuff that was I found really fascinating. There was, uh, you know, this, this company that makes this uh, architecture software. And there was another, you know, it was the 3D modeling and VR software. Like three or four of the like innovative things were basically like, oh, you just figured out how to use Unreal Engine and apply it to practical purposes. Like there's a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. That I meant big data sets, not big data. Like if, you, if you're a physics researcher and oh, you collect yeah. big data sets of things, like th- these are the kinds of computers that you use to like do the modeling on your desktop. Right. It's a workstation. That's the people who it's bought li- workstations yeah, literally called workstations. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> that market exists. Everybody yeah. understands it. Like in my, I, I actually put this in like the deck. Uh, the the deck. By the way, it's a subheadline. If you don't understand, uh, the the subheadline of the piece is Pro means something different here than what you think of with, for most Apple computers. Um, I wish that they had just called it like iMac Workstation, because when people like. I'm going to get questions from like family members that would normally go out and buy an iMac. Like, oh, should I get the iMac Pro? Because they'll like, they, when they're like, should I go buy a MacBook? Like, yeah, go get the MacBook Pro. But the MacBook Pro is a different kind of Pro than this thing. What about the IBM ThinkMac? Ooh, it's not bad. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people are going to buy this computer. And then I think a lot of people are going to buy the Mac Pro. I, yeah. I, it's just the thing that gets me about it is all of the. All of the performance measurements are against older Macs and not against current PCs. Yeah, and like it's probably given this, you know, the, the synthesized engineering of the thing probably a little faster than like the comparable set of specs on a PC. Probably, but no, no one's done it yet <laughs> because Apple's like it's so much faster than the old Mac. I'm just saying, don't ask me to be grateful. Yeah, for a five thousand dollar computer. <laughs> I think the spec you're talking about, Dieter, is eight thousand dollars. Eight thousand. Ten core, sixty-four gigabytes of memory, two terabytes of storage. You might want to get one twenty-eight. Well, that is nine 
thousand five hundred ninety-nine dollars. Oh man! Okay. To double your RAM, you add. <laughs> I mean, one twenty-eight of this high-quality RAM is nothing to sniff at, right? That's a lot. It's just, <laughs> but to, what pisses me off is that you can't decide. You can't decide. Like, you know what? What's super important to me is the best GPU in the world, yeah. which is ob- is fucking not in this computer. Yes, I know. Like the the Apple AMD. Uh, friendship, the the Apple only puts AMD stuff it's in its computers. Crazy. I'm getting tired of that, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, so maybe that's what's important to me. Because like you said, to, if you're going to buy this computer, you should know exactly what you want to do. Yep. So like, maybe I know that the RAM is is the absolute bottleneck. And I only need 32 megabyte or 32 gigabytes of it, but I need the absolute best, fastest thing on the market. Yeah. And well, I need it liquid-cooled. Oh, you need, yeah, okay. You fine. know, like there are, when you're in the Pro world, like you are optimizing for thir- certain things: clock speed, RAM speed, you know, storage rights, yeah, network access. So, are you going to buy a Mac Pro? Buy a Mac Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna read an ad. Yeah, and then I think we we should talk about T-Mobile buying a cable company this week. <sighs> do we have to? We'll okay. just do it quick. Okay. This episode of Rochecast also. Brought to you by MeUndies. Every year, millions of people receive the least like gift of all time. Underwear. But we still give it to our family and loved ones who just don't want it. Maybe it's the underwear not the problem. It's the kind of underwear. Yeah. Let me tell you about MeUndies. The only underwear that makes for an amazing gift. MeUndies have a soft, flexible waistband. They're three, three times softer than cotton and naturally sustainably sourced fiber. MeUndies are the perfect... I don't know how to read this. MeUndies made underwear the perfect gift that everyone is going to love you for. It's a holiday miracle. So this year, don't give underwear. Give MeUndies. So this holiday season, to get an exclusive 20% discount off the softest underwear and socks you'll ever wear, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Verge. That is MeUndies.com slash Verge. So T-Mobile announced, was it yesterday, the day before? Yeah. Uh, that they're buying layer three mm-hmm. which we got what is layer three layer three is a, a cable company yeah but it's a cable company that no one's ever heard of wait 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 but, just let uh, me finish, uh, let this, me finish. This, this, this is my raffle dude don't okay. ruin, don't step on my raffle <laughs> don't capture <laughs> my raffle <laughs> <laughs> so they announced they're buying layer three tv and we're yeah. like what is it so i go to layer three.com and there's a huge quote on, like over the Verge logo, it's like Layer Three TV is building a new kind of cable company that we're super excited. It's like I'm like I don't remember this. We were apparently once extremely excited about Layer Three. It's like Google it, yeah, because it's on a link. So I'm like googling. I finally find it, and I look at the byline. And it says Al Plumlier. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is who is Al Plumlier? Sometimes it seems like we we don't take our jobs seriously. <laughs> and Al Plumlier has written a long write up of a long of a wired feature piece about Layer Three TV, and it's like super excited. And I remember that Al Plumlier was Paul's stealth name when he came back to join The Verge. Before we announce his hiring, yeah. he, it's 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 Paul Miller. It's the letters Paul Miller all all rearranged. Yeah, El Plumier. I'm raffle coptering right now. I just feel bad. And the great thing is, like the layer is, three people are like, oh man, we got to get hold of El Plumier. <laughs> no, El Plumier 
Did Al Plumier did the work? Yeah. <laughs> Al Plumier reached out to Layer Three and explained the. I think I, I at that time I remember I did a couple things and I at least did one thing where I just told them I was Al. <laughs> um, but I think I think I leveled with. with you layer came. Three. You were like, I'm, yeah. I'm actually Paul Miller. Yeah, and I found my interview notes, and they're really. I didn't like write down who I was talking to. <laughs> and you say Al Plumier. There might have been like a background. But yeah, so Layer 3 was a, a new kind of cable company. The basic idea is that all of their content would be delivered over IP. They would have no standard um, analog or, or digital cable going over RF. It would all be IP packets. So it's basically like internet. Like imagine net neutrality, worst case scenario, and your ISP has gone so far that they don't even have internet anymore. They only have fast pipes. So they're just basically making a service of only fast pipes. And they, uh, I think they started in Chicago, and now they're in like D.C. and L.A., maybe a couple other places. Uh, so it's basically a cable company. They've got a cable box. You can they can add like other services. So you can get like I believe you can get Netflix. Um, you can get channels, and they kind of all just kind of come right into that box. They claimed that it would be an open platform. I don't know what's happened with that. So that anybody could theoretically add a service uh, to to their service, but that they and and the big efficiency they were claiming is by be, being a purely IP network. They and and being able to have a like a more advanced technological box. They could use better compression, like HVAC or whatever. Yeah. So, so it seems it's like a they're, cable company. They're a cable company, and their secret sauce is better compression, which is the, the, the and having no leg, legacy systems. Yeah, but that's like Google Fiber had that advantage too, right? Like they were also a cable and internet company. Like T-Mobile is out there buying their their specific technology that T-Mobile. If you're T-Mobile, that you're interested in. Is this like super high powered compression? I think because it's a then you standard can compression algorithm, though. No, because the the wired piece at that time was all about. Are we in an episode of Silicon Valley? See, this is, is where I was going. Piper? No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's just like they're HGVC saying they can do HD or... video in in four megabits per second. Yeah, that's that's just a, a modern compression codec. Yeah, four megabits per second. That's enough for HD standard HD. Well, this is what their claim is. I think this is why T-Mobile bought them. I don't yeah. think they bought them for deals or because their app looks nice. Or The deals don't even usually transfer when you buy a company like right. this. It's so like Apple bought Beats. <clears throat> Beats' deals didn't transfer. Apple had to remake the deals. What Apple bought was like a streaming a, – a software stack to do streaming music. Which so, hopefully they've completely rewritten by now. I, so I like use Apple Music. Yeah. The second your bandwidth like drops just a little bit, like on a plane, for example – the thing just falls apart. Like you have to put it in airplane mode. To use. you can't like get on the Wi Fi and then open up with music. It will try. Oh right. Mm. But if you go into airplane mode, you're fine. Yeah. yeah great. Or you, you can click the only the music. I've, anyway, this is not important to this conversation. So mm-hmm. basically, T Mobile owns a cable company, and we don't know why. I think I know why. Like I'm saying, I think their particular software expertise is lowering the amount of bandwidth it, they need. Which is, if you are a wireless company. Because T-Mobile is yeah. not going to be out there running fiber lines to people's house. So if you're T-Mobile, you've bought a cable company that now does wireless delivery or hyper-compression. They also have their own backbone. They have a 12,000-mile backbone. Yeah. I, I don't think they're doing a lot of 
their own last mile. They they said something about co coopetition. <laughs> Good word with the last mile stuff. Yeah. So I, I think T-Mobile's play here is they can slice off some of their own bandwidth. Yep. Dedicate it to layer three, and then roll out a TV service on the T-Mobile wireless network using whatever compression they have. If that's not their play, then you're right. It is truly a mystery why they needed to buy a company to do this because they could just do it. It's like Sony was like, we made a TV service, and they just like rolled it out. There's no reason to buy a company to do this that is relatively easy to do unless you're getting some sort of technology mode. I am almost positive they use HVAC. I do think they use HVAC, but I think they're doing something crazy with it. All right. Um, what's interesting, though, is all the other ISPs are buying content companies. What? T-Mobile is buying a content delivery company. Which is very and different. paying your Netflix bill, yeah, yeah. And all, isn't Netflix off the cap too, or is everything off the cap? What binge on? Yeah, it's yeah. On, it's part of binge on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. it's not like the only thing. It's just a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can you just binge on. You can binge on it. Oh my god! So we did, in fact, come back to telecom policy. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right, Paul. Every week we returned to yes. telecom policy. Al Plumlee does a segment. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's called. The Internet of Claps. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's a new clapper device. I'm very excited about this clapper device. It's called Clap Boss. <laughs> you can program, I think there's like, was it six different kinds of clap patterns? So I should be clear. Uh -huh. I owned a clapper. They used to sell them at the Dwayne Reed on the corner of 14th and 3rd Avenue. And I just walked in one day and I walked out with a clapper, set it up. And it was the best joke so I just keep my apartment like relatively dark, uh -huh. and every once in a while someone would accidentally clap or something, and the clapper would go on or off, and everybody would laugh. And it, it was so much joy brought by completely accidental. The stealth clapper. You didn't actually, yeah, I yeah. hit it behind a chair right, or something right. like that. So yeah, people would just accidentally clap, and, and you'd get the lights turn mm -hmm. on, and mm -hmm. it's hilarious. It's the least useful way of turning on and off lights. So, yeah, apparently this will listen for, like, six different patterns. You can hook it up with if this, then that. There's an LCD on the face of it for some reason. It's it's like a little USB-powered thing, but they also sell, like, a, a, a plate for it to plug it into a wall outlet. I don't know why you'd want an LCD on something that's plugged into, like, a wall socket. In the yeah, floor. you wouldn't. But if you order a pizza, it will maybe show a pizza icon on the LC. I don't know. But clap, boss. Clap. And stuff happens on the internet. <laughs> so it's if this and that with clapping? Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll take it. If yeah. clap, then that. How much does it cost? That's a good question. I'm here for the hard-hitting journalism. How much does the internet clapper cost? $39. But it's a, it's like a, it's a Kickstarter. Ooh. Eventually retail for $80. Is it real? This is the people who did free write. You know that um, that ink yeah. typewriter, fake typewriter for hipsters. Yeah, yeah, same right. people. And they ship that. There you go. That's a real change in ambition. Yeah, like we're gonna reinvent writing. Yeah, we want the purest distraction-free writing. We yeah. want the next great American yeah. novel to be written on yeah. this machine. And now they're like, we made an Arduino with the sound sensor. <laughs> Claps. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. We've gone over. It's been a heated day. Do, do we have you any time to talk about game of the year? No, it has to take forever. Let's do. Are we, let's do next week. Why don't we have the? That's a good idea. Yeah. I like Megan on or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. Plan, right. plan, plan on that. That's Get one ready. To, one to grow on. Yeah. yeah. Next week, game of the year conversation. 
with our culture team that is actually good at talking about video games. Yeah, that would probably, no, probably help. We're good. It's just you that are bad. So I'm out. <laughs> Vacation. Back again. <laughs> All right. Game that, of the year, Madden. That was the Verge cast. <laughs> what was your favorite Madden that came out this year? <laughs> it was it was Madden. I bought a PS4 for that shit, man. The Pro in 4K. HDR. Did you did you did you like do you when you play Madden, do you try and like match your team's lineup to the active roster of the Packers? Yeah. You do? It's been bad for me. So man. you, you're like when Aaron Rodgers went down in real life, you took him down in Madden. No, it, in... it just does it. It just updates the rosters for you. Oh, really? I'd have to. What you're asking is, do I go and put him back in to like live in a fantasy world? And the answer is sometimes yes. Or I mean, there's like an Aaron Rodgers <laughs> wait, injury simulator. You should feel bad. You're it's 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 literally a fantasy world. It's football <laughs> on a video game. I don't know. Man. Okay. It's real to me. I had to buy a PS4 for that shit. Is your Madden team playoff bound? <laughs> You know, there's a whole story mode this year where you play like a young, a young quarterback on the rise. Yeah, and like Dan Marino's in it, like randomly he shows. Oh. It's like wild. It's like an RPG. Yes, you level up. You have to like make branching story choices. All of the story choices are like, will you be a jerk or a huge jerk? It's like <laughs> all of the choices. Anyway, game that, of the year. Game Madden. of the year. Uh, that was a show. Yeah, we have other great shows we you do. should listen to. Uh, including Why'd You Push That Button with Ashley Carmen and Caitlin Tiffany. Mm-hmm. This episode this week is on text threads and what, people delete them. Like, I never really think about this, but uh, Nicola Fumo, who you might remember from many episodes of her chats in the past, yeah. from writer for Racked, mm-hmm. uh, she apparently has like a crazy Kim Kardashian-inspired like deletion ritual at every episode of the show. She's like, now I'm thinking about everything I do. Because hmm. people are like, delete their text threads. That's what happens yeah. to me every episode of this podcast. It's like, Psh, whatever. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I can't stop thinking about this. <laughs> It's great. Uh, Lauren Good hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask, Kara Swisher. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Kara Swisher hosts Recode Decode. And Peter Kafka hosts Recode Media, which is also wonderful. All great shows on iTunes. Go rate, review them. Give them, give them five stars. Give them five stars. Give us five stars. Yeah. I had like some stars. Yeah. Especially, and, yeah. I've been doling out all these stars to other people. Yeah. I mean, Apple Podcasts is now like showing analytics, apparently. It's mm-hmm. a new thing because, you know, until now we knew it, we didn't know who the hell anybody was or what yeah. anybody did. Like, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us, give us some stars. Get those, get those analytics out there. I'm into it. I love something. an analytic. Yeah. 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 All right. Rock and roll. Promo code. No, it's my <laughs> line, Paul. <laughs> Bye.